Welcome to Behind the DM Screen for February of 2022. We are 23. 2023. Oh, jeez. It's been so long since we've recorded. Um, Jeff, oh, are you ready? I no. was literally, I was literally no. waiting. I was no. inhaling, and then you no. said 2022. No, I'm not, and I'm not re- recording it. This is just all going in. <laughs> no, I'm not editing that. Start no, over. No, 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 don't edit it. Leave it all. Leave it. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of how we roll on behind the news screen. That's why my my notes continue to be a legal pad, and then whatever chicken scratch I put down. Yeah. Uh, so 2022. Yeah. Yeah. 2023, it is February. It has been three months since we've recorded, and that is inappropriate. So here we are uh, getting back on the horse. On the wagon? I don't know what we're getting back on. Whatever. We're, we're getting on it. Keep keep going. Yeah, you bet. Always. Uh, so we're three DMs talking about our games, helping each other out, and that is the intro. I am Jeff Greiner. I am here with Mike Shea. Hello. And Sam Dillon. Hello. And Sam? Yes. You get to go first. Ooh, I do? Wow. Okay. Uh, So I have two active games right now. I have a Castles and Crusades game that I have been running uh, for quite some time now. It's on session 35 or something like that, but here's the thing. This is the game, I I call it the amazing game, because uh, it's, it's the game that started in, like, 2021, and it went for, like, six months and then my schedule got all borked up and I had to change. And so I the game went on hiatus and it was on hiatus for like 18 months or something. And then we started it back up, which is amazing yeah. because normally when a game goes on hiatus for that long, uh, it just never comes back. And yeah. it came back with, with almost all the same players. One person's uh, schedule had changed, so they're no longer with us. But um, And that game is supremely fun. It's in, it's in you know, my favorite system, which is Castles and Crusades. Uh, and, um, and yeah, so that, that's going really well. I'm about to hit a sort of uh, milestone in that game because we are getting to the point where uh, the, the, the average party level right now is four. Okay, and um, and in, in Castles and Crusades, it's fairly old school, so not everybody levels at the same time. All the classes have a different milestone, uh, or I shouldn't say milestone because it's not milestone. It's actually XP leveling, but they have a different XP range that they have to hit, right? They have, they have a number they have to hit to, uh, to get another level. Very Le- much. Level four uh, means you have about nine hit points. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it depends, right? If you're if you're the wizard, yes. Uh, but um, you know, uh, it, by the time the wizard's level four, the the thief is you know level six, and so they have quite a few more. Um, but yeah, so, so that's really oh, that's fun. Right. But I'm, they, they they level differently. Right. They level differently. Yeah. So like uh, the so the 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 funny thing is though that I'm getting to the point where because they're starting to get to be fourth level, it's kind of the sweet spot. So I can actually start having them meet enemy casters and actually have a chance of of surviving and learning things and investigating and, and doing sort of different things other than the kind of low level slog where there's a really big chance of, of death very easily. Uh, so that's becoming a ton of fun. And my other active game is also that plays weekly. Also weekly is, uh, my fourth edition game, which I started up. We are only on session four now. Uh, but, um, 
but I know. But uh, that's my surprise face. I can't I yeah. can't do it for the podcast, but I'm making yeah. a surprise face because holy cow, could you go from like two divergent systems of like right. Castles of Crusades right. and then fourth edition? Yes. <laughs> right. Right. So I'm basically paying like playing like first edition D and D and fourth edition D and D. So yeah, that's basically what I'm doing, uh, which is great because the the thing is I the reason why Castles and Crusades is m- kind of my go to system is because it's so light and quick and easy and I can go and it's it's got super easy rule set. I know it really well and and it's really fun and it, it makes me feel like i'm playing first edition like that's how it feels when i play it so i love that but also i love the tacticalness of fourth edition and you don't get that from cast and crusades so i get to basically yeah scratch two very different itches and i'm like super happy i'm i'm just like it's just so much fun and i'm running fourth edition in the ninter vale which of course is my favorite setting so uh i mean other than other than homebrew right like like my homebrew setting of course just like everybody your homebrew setting is your favorite setting <laughs> but i'm running it basically in the ninter vale and it is a setting i love and i'm exploring parts of the ninter vale that i didn't ever explore back when fourth edition was the current edition and i'm running it very much like a sandbox game so the players are really driving the the action and what they're investigating um not not really like a west marches game where at the end of every session they decide kind of what they're doing but sort of i throw out clues and i put out a whole bunch of hooks and they decide what they're following and then we follow that for two or three sessions and then they determine if they want to keep following up that lead or if they want to investigate something else and i'm still constantly throwing things at them and they're learning all kinds of stuff about the the setting and it's just really fun and i have a really great group of players and they're really interested in learning a new setting because none of them know anything about the Nintendo Vale. And so they're super interested in, you know, asking about the, the gods. And of course, I love Torog and the Raven Queen, the two gods that were brand new in fourth edition. And so, of course, you know, I use those two gods very differently than like some other, like a lot of people have heard of Raven Queen, but they're getting the either fifth edition Raven Queen or the, the, the Matt Mercer critical role version of the Raven Queen, which both of those are awesome. That's fine. But my Raven Queen is very different because she's actually a fourth edition Raven Queen that has been kind of uh, influenced by my, my style and my homebrew world. And so there's that. And it's just a ton of fun. It's a real ton of fun. My problem is though, that, um, like I said, you know, it's it's very much a sandbox style game. And so I have to keep like I'm I'm keep I have to keep up with them, right? Like and in fourth edition, you know, as you know, because it's so tactical, it's bringing me back to the okay, now I gotta make sure I have maps and I have this and that. And I'm using Foundry because we're playing online. I'm using Foundry, and Foundry has a very nice fan-made set up for fourth edition and um it's really really great so i I recommend that to anybody who who is curious about fourth edition wants to play around with it and wants a nice rule set foundry has a pretty good rule set um does it does it handle characters as well can do you you have are are, uh the players building their characters in foundry is there a whole setup for that for fourth edition yeah Yep. Is that and it's all fan made too? I I presume it's, that's it's all fan made, yeah, because it's not a supported edition at all. So it's and so like you know it has all the the power cards and everything. And I know enough about Foundry and programming, it sort of mixed together, that I can easily you know I can look and I can fix something if it's busted because not everything is perfect, right? Because it's fan made, right? Sometimes what's in there it didn't get the errata applied to it, or did get the errata, or is programmed weird, like because Foundry has certain 
proclivities, let's say, that, you know, the way that they uh, put in the power cards into the system, everything has an attack line. Um, unless you tell it there's no attack line. And a lot of things, they just didn't bother to tell it no attack line. They just were trying to go as fast as possible, and they put, like, the description in there. So then it implies there's an attack, and it'll tell you, oh, this is attack versus reflex. But it's not really an attack, so you got to be careful and watch those things. But other than that, it's really, it's nice. I wonder where they got all the data. Um, well, so there is... Yeah, there's, there's an online 4th edition compendium that is fan made that has never been shut down huh. um that uh that has literally everything including uh all the errata so like the twenty seven thousand uh, feet it's, it's called yeah it's uh nine it's got nine thousand <laughs> so it's got, off the back of a truck uh, it's got it's got twenty five thousand five hundred and fifteen entries and eight hundred and eight backgrounds one hundred and sixteen themes six hundred thirty one weapons five thousand three hundred twenty six uh monsters Five thousand um, monsters. Three three thousand two hundred seventy one feet. Right? Yeah, it's got like it's it's got all it's got all of fourth edition here. I'll link it. It's got all of fourth edition in it, and um, and so you can actually literally just search there, and it's it's literally the the four e compendium, but it's but it's online, so anybody could search there and pull. And it tells you the good thing about it is it tells you, um, you know. Like if you search for something, it tells you where that entry came from. So if it came from the Player's Handbook Two, or if it came from right. Dragon Magazine One Fifty Five, or if it came, Damn. you know, where it tells you literally everything. It also tells you if it was changed. So like it'll say, you know, errata, errata in twenty ten or whatever. And now it only gives you the most current version. But anyway, so that's where the person got the that's three thousand feet. Yeah, three thousand two hundred and seventy one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, powers. I'm nine thousand nine thousand four hundred nine powers. That's what I mean. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm always, uh, and then this isn't a fourth edition specific thing, but I'm always, and you bring it up with all the monsters, five thousand some monsters. You said right. Mm-hmm. It always, yeah. it always, uh, when you think about the biodiversity of D and D worlds, like it is mm-hmm. mind boggling because most D and D worlds have all of the biodiversity of Earth. Plus mm. all of the extra things that they that they've invented for all these fantasy right. monsters, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. insane. Yep. Yeah. So. So yeah. Cryonax? So that's what I'm doing. I don't. Really hey, it's have got like, my Cryonax in it. Yeah. Oh, I everything. I'm, I'm serious. Everything is in there, right? And it tells you exactly where it came from, and uh, and you can. I mean, it's a searchable database, so you can filter for you know level. You can like it's a really nice you know. I don't. I I really don't know who runs it. If I knew who who ran it, I would. Uh, Neither does wizards. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Um, yeah. Well, it says it's it's license. They license it under GNU AGPL. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> software maybe. Yeah, right. the software, <laughs> not the so, content. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. So that's you know, yeah. It's all, it's about the software. So you know, hopefully uh, that doesn't get pulled down just because I'm advertising it right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's been up there for a really long time, okay? It's been up there for a really long time. It would be really I, I, wild if yeah. Wizards released this under a Creative Commons license. I mean, I really don't think they, I don't think they give a crap because they have not cared probably about it for right. a very long time. But, um, probably which is, probably Yeah, not. it's the same reason why, you know, and the Foundry thing, like, you know, if you if you go to the you, you can easily get you know the the link to all the data that where you can load it into your Foundry system is like on, on it's on GitHub, right? So like 
as long as you know what to search for, you can find it. So if wizards wanted to shut it down, they could go hunting and find it really quick, right? Like if I can find it that quick, they could find it that quick and they could shut it down. But I really don't think they care about fourth edition. They got, they got got other things going on. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's really funny because playing in a system that's not a, a current system anymore is very freeing, right? Like, and, it, and it's kind of the same. I, I know this is happening with some people with 5th edition, too. Like, now it's like, oh, okay, well, 5th edition is really kind of a closed system now because they know they're sunsetting it. And we know that, you know, they're doing 1D&D and they're doing playtests and all that. But really, um, it's like, you know, you get – it's done, right? Like, it's done, Right. So even if there's one D and D and even if it's compatible, whatever fifth edition is done. And so there's a like freeing thing. You are so wrong, Sam. I, I, I'm just telling you, I'm You're telling so you wrong. from, from the perspective of wizards, Ace, of the Coast. right. When they, <laughs> Not anybody the play else. Test, like they're doing the play test, right. They're doing the play test and it's going to be one D and D, even if they call it 5.5, even if it's fully backwards compatible, that edition is going to have a slightly different, I just I just downloaded the Black Flag playtest today. Brand right, new but that's fifth not edition. Fifth edition. But that's also it not is fifth edition. edition. No, no, fifth fifth edition. Edition. no, you're ah. missing Sam's point entirely. No. <laughs> okay, that's 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 not fifth edition. It is. It, it can be fully compatible with fifth edition, and it could be the people's fifth edition. Like I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, from the perspective of the RPG company that is producing Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Right, fifth edition is done. Like they're they've uh, got they've, they've, got, got, they've nah. got their stuff set out for the next year. Right, and they're done. I mean, yeah. even if it's fully backwards compatible, it's still going to say one D and D or fifth edition, five point five. Probably just D and D. What they claim the is next iteration or fifth, yeah. right. They're going to and it's freeing, right? So not for me because I don't even play fifth edition anymore. But fourth edition being such a closed system, right? And 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 even more so than it, whatever happens with fifth edition doesn't even matter because they never published another thing really for the Nintir Vale, right? right? They they haven't done any kind of expansion of anything regarding the fourth edition, you know, Cosmos, right? They haven't done any. The most they did was was take some ideas and put them into fifth edition, but that Cosmos, that multiverse Cosmos effort in fifth edition is so different from what fourth edition's world axis was that it's not even really applicable it's it's different now right so so there is a there is this feeling of i can do whatever i want in 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 fourth edition because i'm not like it's it's a done system like there's nothing that nothing new is going to come out that messes up the story i was telling in the setting or you know what i mean like it's a little bit like when when i dip my toes into a a, an entirely different game right if i if i go and play a short run of numenera like i don't care what else is coming out because i'm that's not really the game i'm going to be keeping up with Right. So, so for me, it's still a closed system and I can do whatever the hell I want with it. I don't have to care about continuity and and Mm -hmm. things lining up and whatever. It's kind of true with every system. I mean, it can be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, nobody has to worry about what anybody puts out. The only thing I'll say, I I know, and I'm I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, there is this element in fourth edition where, It's it's amazingly freeing that nobody gives a crap about fourth edition. Right. right. I Watt think it's not going to come shut it down. There's right. nothing that's going to be published that messes with anything I do right. or anything like that. 
I think it's I think that only exists for fourth edition. I don't think that is the same at all for fifth edition because fifth edition is now available to everybody. If you play in the their setting, yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah, even they don't have a setting. Like there's 15 settings well, for fifth edition. Right, but I but the default <laughs> setting for fifth edition is Forgotten Realms. No, it is right. Not, but go ahead. Sure. <laughs> it is you not can say that all you like, I'm, but ninety-five percent right of the products produced really? in fifth edition really were fourth edition were were really? uh, Ravnica, were Call from the Nether Deep, uh, Theros, Odyssey I, of Theros. Hang on, okay, I can, I keep sure. Going. I'm not saying those <laughs> things don't exist, right? But but it's we not ninety-five percent. Okay, like fine, but 40%. it's a large percentage, and when you have only a couple of and yeah, I mean. Uh, look, we're splitting hairs now, but you get my idea. The default setting in 5th edition, the default fantasy setting was Forgotten Realms. Any other setting, they had to specifically say, this is a different setting. No, no, I think, I think Sam's right. I think, I, because if you look at the first 90% of the, of the years of publication, maybe 80% of the years of publication for 5th for edition, the default assumption of, you know, was Forgotten Realms with some notable exceptions, like, like Ravenloft, where they explicitly said they were going off to other places. Um, but, but, but they've since branched out, but not nearly with the same coverage that they, that they assumed Forgotten Realms as a, as a default setting. I think that's what default setting means. Got the, the gods of the multiverse setting has in the player's handbook, the core handbook has uh, mm-hmm. Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Dragonlance, Eberron. Uh-huh. And then a I whole bunch I of other DVDs. <laughs> I didn't say that fifth edition pretended like those places didn't exist. What I said You're was You're saying the, most of the adventures were published for for, for for Forgotten Realms. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's it's what just I'm the saying. Adventures. Yeah. Right. right. But you know what people play? The adventures. Yeah, and then there's lots of adventures that are now published for other systems too. Sure, other worlds too. Oh, Ranger yeah. Sierra, Ranger Sierra is not wrong either, though. Uh, I would I would argue that Forgotten Realms was the default setting, yeah. but then they also failed to develop and support it. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's sure. it's, it's, I, it's I not even a Forgotten I, Realms I, campaign I, book. No, I didn't say I, I didn't say they did a good job. Okay. No, I, what yeah, I'm saying is. What I'm saying is, it had to be a big deal when they produced a book that wasn't the Forgotten Realms because. The Forgotten Realms was the go-to default thing they were doing. Yeah, they only really looked at the Sword Coast for most of it, okay? Right. But the whole reason that that the DMs Guild... Look, okay, they didn't come in and say, oh, let's do a book for Ninter Vale. Let's do a book for Greyhawk. Let's do a book for... You know what they did? They did a one book and an adventure with an adventure in it for Eberron. They did Strahd like three times because it's so popular. They did a few of the um, Magic the Gathering settings, mm-hmm. which don't really count. They did Taldorai, <laughs> right? right? You know they what else Taldorai. doesn't count? All the Forgotten Realms ones. Uh, <laughs> I, look, I fully agree with you. I don't give two craps about Forgotten right. Realms. So I'm then they don't count, so it's not the default setting. But That's what it. I'm yeah. saying is, no, what I'm wrong. saying is that the majority of the main I'll, adventures I'll, I'll, that they I'll tell wrote, you a, a big difference is if Nentir Vale was the default setting for fourth edition, because in the books itself, if you look mm-hmm. at the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Dungeon Master's mm-hmm. Guide is yes. a has a gazetteer for the Nentir right. Vale. There right. is no gazetteer for any of the worlds in the Dungeon Master's Guide for fifth edition. There's oh, nothing right. in the Dungeon Master's Guide about. Although it is worth pointing out, you you about, you about Forgotten Realms. You just complained, Mike, that they never even put out a, a campaign guide for the Forgotten Realms, which is true. But it's also I didn't been complain. True. I was making well, a statement. You're making a statement, but, but, <laughs> but that is a, that is a true statement for the default setting of fourth edition and third edition. 
as well. I mean, third edition got like a little tiny floppy book, and that's all the Greyhawk you got. But they, but Greyhawk was clearly the default setting. They've never supported the default setting. Very well, well. Then the, well, they also produced the uh, 90, 193 page gazetteer after that thirty-two page gazetteer. So Greyhawk did get a an bit. extra, yeah. an extra book. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, they were publishing a Forgotten Realms book every month. And, and and an Eberron <laughs> book every month, right? right? And an Eberron. For a while, right? so, did, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. So it's weird that, that Greyhawk was the default setting when they then almost completely ignored it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, look, when when they make an adventure, the first adventure was two books, and then they reprint that as Tyranny of Dragons. Now they're reprinting it again next year or later this year, whatever. Did they, that I they takes place did or something in, like that. What? I thought they say? already did. They did, and they're doing it again. It's yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought the, the, the second reprint was also done. Maybe it hasn't been done yet. Uh, I, I don't know. That takes place in the Sword Coast. The first four major adventures, other than Strahd, take place in the... In the I mean, <laughs> but, uh, but Strahd, look, Strahd, here's the thing. They other than all the other books, they're all Forgotten Realms. Uh, well, but, <laughs> I'm just saying, right? For years, you know, here's Strahd my, was the here's only my exception. Look, here's my point. If you loved the Forgotten Realms, 5th edition was good for you because everything they did was this is in the forgotten realms. Oh, if you want to put it in a different setting, here's a little paragraph, a little <laughs> tiny paragraph. Now you're going to have to about, censor oh, yourself in your, your own podcast. Oh, whatever. I like putting in beeps. It's fine. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying? Hi, like, here's, here's a tiny, <laughs> here's a tiny <laughs> paragraph to add it to Mistara. Let me mention Mistara in one book so that you don't think Forgotten Realms is the, the main default setting in 5th edition. I'm sorry, Mike. De Forgotten Realms is the main default setting. And I agree. If I was a Forgotten Realms fan, I'd be mad about it because the only thing they ever did was on the freaking Sword Coast. Mm -hmm. As a Forgotten Realms fan, I'm, I'm, I'm better. Right. Yeah. I, I don't happen to give a crap about Forgotten Realms, so I'm okay if everything's on the Sword Coast because I don't care. But, like... It's still the main setting for fifth edition, and you can't convince me otherwise. I don't care how many other books there are. I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to keep arguing. <laughs> <What's the> point, <laughs> right? You, you could be wrong all on your own. You don't need my help. I've been that way all my life, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're a good what five ten minutes over over Sam's time. So I'll 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 cede half my time, Ooh. half of that time as as my time. So whatever yeah, we just but, took. But you're just going to go over 10 minutes anyway. So right. What, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, what, that doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, what does so matter? anyway, um, before we go on to the next person, I want to remind people that, uh, well, those of you on the stream, this is a Tome Show uh, recording that just happens to be being streamed on uh, Sly Flourish's channel because mine's been broken for a while. Uh, so hello and thank you for for giving us this, this, letting us sleep on your couch, Mike. I appreciate it. Sure. Um but if you want to support The Tome Show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash The Tome Show. Uh, I stopped seeking advertising, I don't know, a good year or two ago because it was onerous and I didn't want to. Uh, so if you want to help me pay the bills, that's how you do it. You go over to Patreon and you, you know, toss in a, as little as a, as a dollar a month and, and help us out and help we uh, put out a lot of podcasts. Um, so, although these days, most of them are done by Sam. <laughs> about half of the show, about half of the feed is uh, uh, edition wars these days, right? Yeah. Well, it's because you know I like arguing. Apparently, right? <laughs> it's on full display, especially these days. Especially right now, it feels it feels like edition wars yeah. run, runs everything because we just well a month ago you, a yeah. month ago we just had the the twelve days right, and so you do twelve yeah. twelve episodes in twelve days. Uh, 
uh, and it's pretty intense. And they're not short episodes, although this year that you, the, some of them were actually like an hour or less. Yeah, so, I did that on purpose because I didn't want to have like three-hour episodes. Well, for what it's, <laughs> for for what it's, for what it's worth, uh, I really enjoyed this this year's, and I and I enjoyed the shorter episodes too because I always don't get around to it until afterwards, and then I have like seventeen hours worth of of podcasts to listen to. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, I thought it was a fun series this year. So good job. All right, I'm going to start the timer again because it is my time. You got to wait till the end to hear Mike, even though we're on Mike's uh, oh, no. Twitch channel. <laughs> So uh, it's been uh, a hot minute since we've pl- since we've played since we've chatted, um, and in three months a lot has happened in my descent into Avernus game. Um, last time we talked, I had to go back to my to my previous script to, to see what the heck was going on last time we talked, and they were just um, they had just found Older Raven Guard in the Grand Cemetery in Elturel. Um, meanwhile, I've been several sessions out of Fort Knucklebone. Uh, so, so the, a lot has happened since then, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, uh, rescued Raven guard. I, I, one of my players, um, for his own purposes needed to go on a, on a hiatus for a few months. And so I, and it just so happened to be right as they found Raven guard that that was uh, announced to us. So I had him get caught up in the, the psychic backlash of, of Raven guards, sort of the mental battle he was going through between Torm and Baphomet. Uh, and so he kind of went into a coma and was trapped in Ravenguard's vision. Um, then, they, then they did the ritual and freed Ravenguard, but their friend was still in the coma because he wasn't back yet. Um, and that's fine. Uh, then I threw in a bunch of extra stuff. Um, this was back when, I don't even know that the, the DMs Guild, like Adepts, is even a thing anymore. But when they were regularly doing... Um, you know, James Intercasso was part of it at that time, and they were doing the Encounters books, and they were doing all this other yeah. other stuff. So I threw a bunch of extra stuff in from them um, that I enjoyed before. So uh, Helm Shield Hall was a location I really liked. I've got a player who um, who is whose parents are Hellriders, and so I had Mom there in Helm Shield Hall. Uh, I replaced one of the Hellriders with her, and so we had a little moment with that, and um, you know, had a good time. I enjoyed that little location and that adventure in the in that book. Uh, and then, th- I mean, then there were a bunch of other encounters, right? Um, they went to the dock house and I threw in some like experimental hang gliders so they could start to figure out how to get, get off the city. Right. And then not just dwell on that forever. Um, you know, they, they liberated a Pegasus, uh, that was trapped in a, in a, uh, basement that, um, that was one of the encounters that I'd pulled. Uh, so now they got a pet Pegasus running around with them. But long story short though, they got out of, um, they got out of Eltrail. What are the, it, it's, it's become entertaining. So um, way back in Eltrail, they found there was, a, there was in the Dungeon of the Dead 3, there's a, a bag of beans. Um, one of the players decided he was going to start having fun. He just started planting beans in the courtyard of Candlekeep, um, you know, and shenanigans ensued. One of the things that happened was a tree sprouted and it, it produced a bunch of fruit. The fruit have the effect of a random potion. Uh, yeah. And so every time they, you know, and so, so they gathered up all this fruit and they've got all this fruit in their bags and they're still carrying a bunch of it with them. It hasn't gone bad yet. Uh, and so every now and then somebody decides to have, a, to eat a fruit. So right before they were getting out of Elturel, one of the guys decided to, to eat a fruit and I was just having, I don't know, throw a die. What, how many sides? I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> and I just, I just had potion into D and D beyond and, and, and count however many down it is with the they roll, right? 
Um, and so they ended up with some legendary potion, I think, from Storm King's Thunder that turns you into, like, giant size. Right. Uh, so you become a huge creature. They're in the middle of a building. They become, suddenly becomes a huge creature for 24 hours. Uh, and so then he's like, well, I guess I'll just climb down the chains then because at this strength, that's not even a challenge, right? So a bunch of people flew, and he just sort of climbed down the chain uh, in a couple of swings as this gi- ginormous creature. Um, where it gets a little bit interesting, so we got then they, they did the whole Fort Knucklebone thing, and, and I always have fun with the, the red caps taunting them and making them do silly things to get into the to the fort, and uh, it's always interesting to see if they like when I ran the game with my kids, they they go along, right? Dad's dad's DMing and dad has an NPC and dad's NPC says do this silly thing, right? The, to, and the and the red caps, I don't know if you remember, the red caps are clearly just messing with them. Right? They're they're making stuff up. They're oh, what's the password? And then another one's there is no password. Shut up. I'm, they don't know that, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Uh you gotta put your hand behind your head and put your back foot back as far as you can and uh, you know, so just do all kinds of silly things and wear this stupid hat and whatever in order to get in. Uh, my kids go go along with it. Then I'm like, okay, but my my adult players they're they're a more serious bunch. I don't know that they're gonna go go along with this at all. And they very quickly figured out like these these red caps are not like they're just messing with us, right? They're, this is not serious. <laughs> and yet they still went along with it. And one of the guys every time they go back to Fort Knucklebone now still gives them the like the the weird salute that they told them they had to do just just as an f you to the red caps, right? Um, so that's always fun. Um, the thing that I really changed, though, in Fort Knucklebone that I thought was interesting. So the the big sort of climax at Fort Knucklebone is that Mad Maggie runs them through a, a dream sequence, basically. You, you They live through Lulu's dreams. Um, and in this case, I decided that it it's a dream. And so it's weird to me that basically they just do a bunch of combats and they lose hit points. Um, you know, it's all, and it's all psychic damage and they get it all back when they're out. And so I, I, I get it, but, but I decided, and I think it was after listening to, um, edition wars, um, uh, Sam and Brandis had mentioned, um, um, dread and the Jenga tower. So instead of having hit points, I used the Jenga tower. I put a Jenga tower up in the middle of the, of the, the table and said, okay, every time you take a certain amount of damage or you take a damage die, you have to pull one one brick from the Jenga tower. And when it collapses, if you're the one who made it collapse, you damage sort of the dreamscape to the point that you got ejected from it. And then we'd set it back up for the next group. Um, and then I added, also added to, to tie it more to the PCs. I said, you know, because the ritual describes like, oh, you all become psychically connected and that's why you're all pulled into Lulu's dreams. Um, I changed it to where, well, you're all psychically connected. How about we also see one of all of your dreams too? And so I had the PCs um, come up. I came up with little dream sequences. I'm like, okay, here's the scene. We know this thing happened in your background. Where did it take place? Let's play that out. And so we would play out little scenes from their backgrounds or what have you. And I've got a couple of Shatter Kai, so they have like reincarnation stuff going on. So some, so one of them had a, um, one of them had a dream that she was actually she was the raven queen before the raven queen became a god and was attempting the ritual to become a god and because part of the the fifth edition lore of shatter kai is that they the, one of the the myth creation myths is that they were created when her soul got sort of shredded in a failed attempt to become a god uh, before she actually succeeded 
Um, and so I sort of played with that and, and said, okay, well, that's, that's your dream. You went way back to your first life when your soul, when you were a soul dripped out of the Raven Queen before she became a goddess. Right. And so she's really like, I didn't tell her that that's all, all what that was going on. I just sort of described it uh, visually. And, and now she's like, oh, oh, like, am I the Raven Queen? What the hell is going on? Right. <laughs> so that's fun. And then another one, um, one of the other changes, I, it's been a few months, so you may have forgotten. One of the other changes I made to Descent is I decided that the companion, the second son over Elturel, doesn't have an angel in it. Mm-hmm. it inside of it is, is Kaz. Kaz the betrayer, mm-hmm. Kaz the, the destroyer, the bloody-handed, whatever you want to call him. Uh, the former lieutenant of Vecna. I figured that would be a fun hook. And, and then he's also, I, I use the Tasha's rules for group patrons. So so Kaz is their group patron, and he's trapped inside of the companion. And and they don't know him as Kaz, they just know him as the betrayed. Because, um, of course, to his perspective, he's the one who's betrayed, right? Uh, and so one of them has his sword, but I'm treating it like a like a critical role style vestige of divergence where it, where it you know, goes through multiple levels up. Yeah. yeah. So it started off relatively weak, but, and it's going to grow not based on their, like hitting a milestone for their character, but when they do things that mirror Kaz's story. So mm-hmm. like when you are betrayed or when you betray somebody close to you, then it's going to reach the next level. Right. And, and stuff like that. Uh, so anyway, I for that character, I decided that the dream that he had started off as his. Like, oh, there, there's your character. He's a little kid on the streets of, of wherever you, the city is in the Shadowfell where you grew up, whatever. Um, and uh, suddenly, violently, you're ripped away from your own dream and your own vision. And suddenly you're in a different body that you don't recognize. It's not a Shatterkai. It doesn't like it. There's no reason to think this is a former you know, life or whatever. And, and I play out, I, I describe and play out the, the, the fight between, um, uh, Kaz and Vecna. The idea being that be through the sword, his, they were pulled away from his dream and into Kaz's vision of his own past. Um, and the players like flipped their lids when I described that he got in one quick lucky blow at the beginning of the fight and severed the the lich's arm between the wrist and the and the elbow and they're like oh my god we all know it like they they all know what it is like but none of our characters oh my god what are we gonna do like <laughs> our characters don't know what's going on but we do uh so that was a lot of fun so i had a lot of fun with the do with the dream sequence um and then since then, uh, for the last several sessions, I have been using um, heavily in a way that I wasn't able to when I ran it for my kids because I didn't have the product yet. I've been using the um, Avertis as a Sandbox um, product from Eventier. Um, and so... Um, I don't think I've seen that one. So it came with the bundle um, with, with you know, he, he does the, the like walkthrough and... and tips and, and tricks on how to run all the adventures, right? Right. Um, so there, in that bundle, there is a is a PDF that is Avernus as a sandbox. And, and so instead of following the path of demons and the path of devils, it's like, let's use all those same locations because they're cool. Uh, but instead, uh, change the vision that they the, of the last dream that they have a little bit. So instead of like suddenly Lulu just knows, oh, we should go to Harmon's Hill. And then Lulu just suddenly knows, oh, we should go to this place or that place, you know, for to start the two paths, which is a little bit deus ex machina, a little bit artificial. It doesn't even necessarily flow well. It's just a, a it, it, yeah. Uh, so in this one, like in that vision with Mad Maggie, they see um, um, the two Hellriders, um, 
what's the Olanthius and yeah, I have to look them up. I don't remember the names. There's the, there's the one that it might have been Harzawan or Har Har Harman, Harman. Something Har, like that. So yeah. Harman and Olanthius, and as well as Bell, who captured uh, Zariel and brings them in front of Asmodeus. Um, and so they see the whole scene, right? It describes the whole scene, and, and they see this whole thing with with those three. And and uh, Lantheus tries to kill or does kill himself, and then Zariel brings him back to life, and Zariel signs the contract, and Harmon signs the contract with Asmodeus, and Bell gets pissed off because you know he thought he was going to get rewarded, but instead he got demoted, uh, you know, and all all that shit, right? So they saw it all. So then they come out of it, it's like, well, if we want to find the the palace and the sword, like these are the three people that probably know where it is. Now we got to figure out how to find them. And then there's these intermediaries. Well, if you want to find somebody in Avernus and this infinite plane of Avernus, you should go talk to these really wise people. Like uh, Red Ruth the Hag is a great diviner. And um, um, uh, Morden Kanan sometimes pops around. He knows a lot. And he's sort of mapped out the area. And uh, they haven't gotten the third option yet. But that's the, the mirror of Mephistar because Mephistopheles can find shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um so then it becomes sort of a sandbox of all that. And I've, and I've thrown in a bunch of extra encounters from those products and other products, the, the Beetle and Grim box, as I have the Beetle and Grim box, and it comes with some extra encounters as well. Um, so I'm running a bunch of uh, a bunch of those extra things too. Um, like the, the, all they've been trying to do is get to the Tower of Urm to, to see if Mordenkainen's around. And, it, and on the map, it's not that far from Fort Knucklebone, where I've got everything. Um but it's a harness and time can do what I want. And if I want to throw, if I want to basically spend an entire session having a bunch of random encounters so you understand what the hell hell is like, um, then that's what we're going to do. So, um, but yeah, so then, so they're having a blast. They're having fun. Um, they're enjoying the infernal war machines because I got the big, the big beetle and grim giant one. Uh, and then I have recently been heavily involved in the new makerspace on my campus. Um, and so, uh, I spent a couple weeks and I designed and laser cut a bunch of wooden infernal war machines that I that I then oh, built. Oh, cool! On. So, um, so yeah, I've got all. Uh, I've, they're just basically wooden boxes, but then I've got like the wrecking ball coming off of the back of one of them and little claws on the front of of some of them, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's really it's it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm enjoying, it. And, and that's going a lot better than you know throwing a scrap of paper out like I did the first time I ran it. <laughs> yep. So I do have a couple of questions, uh, uh, bits of advice, because I, I always like to take some time and ask some questions and, and get some discussion going on that. Um, first of all, and because I, I ran into this the last time I ran it, um, having random encounters when the players are in Infernal War Machines is hard because they're faster than everything else on Hell or almost mm-hmm. everything else on Hell, right? Um, and so suddenly just artificially making everything fast enough to keep up with them, you know, why don't they just zip past everything and ignore it? So the war machines themselves, the war machines have a speed of like a hundred. I thought it was really, really slow. No, I, I, I thought somebody did the math and they like, they go like six miles an hour. They have like if you of, look at the number of, yeah, if you look at their speed and count the feet and figure out the six second thing, they go like. They go like six miles an hour. They have a speed of one hundred, right? Which is one hundred, which is one hundred feet in six seconds. Sure, but everything else has a speed of thirty, right? So yeah. how how so so how fast they're going doesn't matter if they're relatively way faster than everything else. Well, if you're so like so, you're worried more that they're like running away from encounters and stuff like that. Well, like why why bother to put yourself in that threat if you can just go around it? 
Um, I but mean, then, so there's, then, so there's, there's a few a of, ways. Then there's a lot of cool yeah. shit that they don't get to play with, you know? Right, I know. It, it, this is the irony. So first of all, it goes the speed of plot. Right. You get to decide how fast right. it's really going and how fast other things get to go. Um, the, uh, uh, I think, and so, and there are other, the, the other one is many of the threats that are out there in the wasteland are other yeah, hell riders or not hell well, riders, okay. other other warlords. war machine riders. Yeah, yeah. other warlords. So yeah, but I don't having the every, other warlords. I don't want, I don't do want stuff. every encounter, to be, every random encounter, or everything that I do to, between the locations to be another warlord. Yeah, the um, so the other thing to do is to give them encounters. So first of all, if like every encounter is like, hey, a group of monsters attacks you, like it's already kind of lame. Right. And better is, hey, here's like a weird monument that you find. Mm -hmm. And here's a glowy thing that you might want to go investigate or a person who's asking for your help. Right. That actually wants your help Uh, or, you know, other other things that can that that draw them in because they want to go there Mm -hmm. instead of we're just going to keep writing. You can also just skip all the other parts and tell them like you see these things right you see you're rolling the random encounter table let them see a bunch of oh, war band of demons there's no random encounter table i pick a bunch of encounters and i put them in my outline in the order that sure. I have them come up so they can see those and then go zipping around it but it still yeah. gives them the flavor of being in hell you're right um i still don't yeah and i still uh you know flying things can still hit them sure right they just don't come at the same you know, they're not chasing them. They're coming in from the sides and the front, right. in which case how fast they go doesn't matter. Right. Although they might turn into a bug on a windshield. Right? But um, so, so having that, then the other one is terrain that they can't get past uh, on the vehicle, mm-hmm. big canyons and, and big fiery pits and other things. But I think when I ran it, uh, I didn't, I don't think they, I don't, I didn't spend a tremendous amount of time throwing encounters on them while they were riding around on there. It was more about the places they were going, the sites they were seeing and the things that they wanted to do that drew them there. And they might see something off to the side and learn more. But a lot of times, like they would get a quest. Cause I, I changed, I don't know if you did the same thing. I changed the soul coins into demon So they had to go hunt demons yeah. in order to get fuel for I, the I thing. The same. I, sw- I swapped the two demon and soul coins are, are reversed. Yeah. So Oh, that's um, a good point. Let let them run out of fuel, and then they gotta then they gotta stop every now and then, or else they're not gonna replenish their demon acre. Yeah. So right. So and then they would have to. I, a lot of times, I'd have them hear about certain monsters that were. Uh, you know, they'd hear about a, a powerful demons that would give them a lot of ichor. Like, oh, there's, you know, a a, a Gorostro and its minions has made its way into into hell, and you know, yeah. So there's there's definitely. You know, there, there's definitely sort of drives I could do it that way, but it really depends on like what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. What, and what I think I think ideas? a big one is like give them places they want to go instead well, of things and, they want to avoid. And I did that. The, they only had really one travel session so far uh, across the the plains of Avernus, and before I got to like, and then we did the first half of like a uh, a short adventure uh, for Smiler the Defiler, um, one of the warlord. Well, one of the ex warlords. Um, and, but I and I ran. I threw a lot of the encounter. Like, oh, you're, you're driving along and you see this thing. That's interesting. Yeah, but and I think right now they're they're gun shy. Right, they're still relatively low level and driving around on the surface of hell for the first time. And they mm-hmm. they don't want to like no, no no we're good we're just gonna keep going <laughs> skip that thing I don't care you know. Um, so they're they're a little uh, they they don't feel as badass as they will later on in the campaign I imagine. Um, 
you know, every D&D group eventually gets to a point where they're like, well, you know, we can take anything, right? Uh, so they haven't gotten there yet. One thing I did um, think was an interesting idea. So uh, one of the things that, that um, Eventier has in their their guide through it is they talked about um, Mahati of the Wandering Emporium giving them like a coin that you can sort of flip and it shows them the direction back to the Wandering Emporium. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting idea. Especially if I if I add the extra caveat of it only works when it lands on a Verdian soil, mm-hmm. which means you have to stop the war machine and flip the coin every now and then, and then I can hit him with encounters at those points too. Yeah, right, so. right, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. When I ran it, um, I mean, we had a bunch of problems with the war machines. The first one was that they were um, the, the soul coin problem. Um, and then the other one was like, I just, you know, and I've been doing this in like every other vehicular based D and D thing, which is, you know, speed of plot. Like they, they right. move as fast or as slow as we decide they do. Sure. And the whole, like, you know, uh, you know, we're roaring across the wasteland at six miles an hour. Right. It's like, nah, you know, and then, yeah. So it, it, it worked out. Absolutely. So here's my other question. And I, I don't know how far over time I am, but here we go. Um, I need to bring in more Raven Queen and Bahamut. Um, Bahamut is not in the adventure at all, but at least with Tiamat there, I've got a I've got a foil. Um, but I also have these two Shadow Kai who are both devout worshippers of the Raven Queen, who is not part of the story originally at all. Uh, and it's, I'm trying to come up with good ways so, to bring her in. Yeah. So here's here's the thing about the Raven Queen, right? Like in Fifth Edition, she has that whole memory stealing thing. Mm-hmm. Like she collects memories, right? rather than collecting souls, so to speak. So what you could do is, um, because you have um, you have issues with, like, the elephant, right? Remembering things. Lulu, yep. Lulu. And so what you could do is have the Shatter Kai get a connection to the Raven Queen, right? And they could have visions that are actually memories from various individuals that are in Avernus, mm-hmm. right, are in an area or that have some connection with the soul that you just, that was that was from the soul coin that you just spent, right? Like somehow connect that there because she's a collector of memories. And so she can collect memories that would actually provide, or she could give the Shadar Kai, right, the memories that would help you go to the next step in whatever's happening, right? Like something like that. And then, then, then the problem is just finding a way where you have to, how, how do you let them know or figure out that that is happening? Or do you just tell them, look, you're getting this vision and there's a divine, you know, presence with you right now. And here's, and then you think, you know, a little bit of mystery where they have to figure out what the heck's really going on, but that, that would be how to do it. That's an easy way to do it okay. with the Raven. Yeah. Queen. Yeah. I like, I like the bringing, the, I, they are. They have built their characters as sort of um, assassins who who do still collect souls for the Raven Queen, right. basically. Um, mm-hmm. But I like the idea of leaning into the memories thing because that works really yeah. well, both with the visions they've already been having and and uh, and her current tropes. So. Yeah. So, I mean, if when she collects the soul, she gets some of those memories, too, but maybe she doesn't get all the memories. Maybe some of the memories go elsewhere or, you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's why they don't get complete information, because 
any any other NPC is an unreliable narrator, right? Like that's the key to, to having a good mystery, right? Is everybody's just telling you what they know from their perspective and memories are not necessarily reality. They're how someone perceived it at the time. And now you gave me another great, great idea. Um, because I've been, you know, I told you that I, that I've got the sort of Kaz in there, but it gets more powerful as they play out the story of right. Kaz. Yeah. Um, I, one of the Shatter Kai is the one who has the sword. And so naturally betraying the person close to them means he, he needs to betray his sister, the other Shatter Kai, uh, in order to have it grow. But they are so fiercely loyal to each other that it, temptation has been non-existent. <laughs> Every time that they, I've, I've thrown a little bit of temptation out there, it hasn't happened. But yeah. I can now totally see the Raven Queen giving him his own contract, his own his own quest, basically, to to remove a certain memory from his sister. Maybe the memory of her being born split up, or her first life being split off from the Raven Queen herself. Maybe that's a memory that she doesn't want out there. I can see that. That's an interesting. Okay. That's helpful. All right. I'm going to end my time. Uh, I do want folks who want to follow or hang out with us on the, uh, uh, the Tome Show. We have various social medias. We are still on Twitter as the Tome Show. Um, we are on... I haven't figured out how to do a, a separate show Mastodon account. So it's just me on Mastodon. Uh, but we have a Discord, we have a Facebook, we have... The Discord is really where it's at, though. Um, reach out to us and we will give you the link to the Discord because that's where the cool people hang out, is on the Tome Show Discord, right, Sam? Yes, that is exactly where the cool people hang out. Exactly. And I am DM Samuel <laughs> at Dice.Camp on Mastodon. I am Sly Flourish at Chirp.Nworld.com on Mastodon. And I'm... I remember that. And I'm Squatch at Dice.Camp. So. All right. Mike? Yo! Would you like to talk? Sure. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, I could just sit here and keep text ang- angry texting Sam for the whole show like I've been doing. <laughs> have you been... <laughs> <laughs> Fight okay. digging up old Jeremy Crawford quotes. All right. Well, I'm, I'm starting your time. All right. <laughs> Do what you want with it. Yes, I want to talk about my uh, Empire of the Ghouls campaign. So I'm running a, I'm running two different uh, Cobalt Press campaigns. I've, I've, I've been trying to focus more on bringing in outside uh, other publisher content other than Wizards of the Coast into my game to see how that's been going. And we've been doing a Scarlet Citadel game, which I talk about on Sundays, and an Empire of the Ghouls game, which I don't talk about that much. Um, Empire of the Ghouls, written by Richard Green, a bunch of different writers that came in. Richard Green was the primary developer of it. Great big Storm King's Thunder-like uh, adventure that takes you all over Midgard, right? Like it, it, many it, of the is it, realms. Is it better it's and Midgard. more cohesive than, than Storm King Thunder? Is it? Yes. It's definitely got a clear line of how it runs. Uh, it's definitely like chapter by chapter, big things going on. And, and, it does it not have... And it doesn't have a satisfying conclusion because that's my real beef. I don't know. We'll find out. Okay. Right? <laughs> I don't review adventures until I finish them. So right. we'll see. But, but you've read no, the here's, Wait, here's my hot take. Here's my and, hot take. And I, I never really know. Mike didn't want to play in FR anymore, so he had to move to Cobalt Press Adventures. Because I was the, so tired of the default the, setting of Forgotten Realms with its right. tensor right. floating sure. disc and Melf's right. Acid Arrow and all those name drops of Forgotten Realms characters. <laughs> like Melf <laughs> and stuff. Oh, no, that's, wait. That's, they're all Greyhawk. That's a point of Greyhawk is the default that, setting, clearly. That is a point of contention with a bunch of Greyhawk fans. So if you really ah, ah, go ah, over the Empire Discord and tell them, oh, yeah, just because tensor's floating disc... Spell exists. That means that Greyhawk <laughs> is in FR. 
anyway in Midgard, <laughs> where I'm playing. I mean, set aside um, the fact that Aserak is is a is a great villain. Yep. Right. right. Yeah. So, so no, we don't. Those are those are inconvenient truths that we choose uh-huh. to ignore for except our hypothesis. They, except that they put them in the Forgotten Realms. That's the whole point. Sam Smith. <laughs> <laughs> My point is they put them in the FR for an adventure. That they wrote. All, like all of the adventures. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Sarah only in one adventure, I think. Right, yes. So, And Go then on. they had a Greyhawk adventure. Anyway, Midgard. So uh, this, it, it, yeah, so it's big in, in, in geographical scope like Storm King's Thunder is. Yes. But it's uh, linear in the adventure design. It is not what I refer to as a yam-shaped adventure where you have sort of a start and then a lot of different directions you can go and then an, an ending. Uh, this instead is chapter by chapter, big events happening. Um, chapter one is set in the city of Zobek, which is great. There's a, uh, they actually, if for anybody that hasn't run it yet, there is now a Zobek Clockwork City source book that Cobalt Press put out. That's a whole bunch of their Zobek stuff uh, put into one big book. Really good looking book. And I wish I had that before I ran the Zobek chapter, but it came out like the month after I finished Zobek. Um, and then chapter two, which is written by Richard Green, is is like, you travel like 3,500 miles. Like it is a massive, it's like you went all the way up and down the Sword Coast in one chapter of it. So it was a little too much travel for me. And I ended up abbreviating parts of it. I sort of combined locations in order to not have quite so much your princesses in another castle but, sort of but, events. But to be fair, it's better. It's more well done than like the four month caravan travel. Yes, in, in definitely. The, in the Tyranny of Dragons, right? Definitely. Just point yes. that out. Yes, it's a lot of travel, but it's right. really well done. But it, right. Like, well, it's it's definitely the only issue is it's like I I knew as soon as I was reading it, like, oh, my players are going to be like, are you kidding? I have to go to another city to talk to another NPC in order to find out. Like, you get the quest right away of like recover the. This is spoiler for 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 Empire of the Ghouls. You know, I have to recover this the, the holy robes of Sister Adeline. Right. And you learn that right away. <laughs> and then it's 3,500 miles before you actually get to it. In fact, backtracking a little bit in order to get to parts of it. Um, so I, I condensed I condensed a lot of the locations. So like where they meet the noble was also the same place where they find out that there is a noble instead of having to travel two more cities. And I used the shadow roads uh, already as ways for them to kind of shortcut big pieces of travel. Um, but I just, I think, I mean, this session, the one that I'm about to run is the very end of um, chapter two and getting into chapter three. And it looks like from reading them, the other chapters are a little bit more self-contained. There's a, still a fair bit of travel, but the the, event, the adventure, each chapter itself is sort of more about this one event. And, and I think those are going to be a little easier to kind of to, to kind of run, even though there's still a fair bit of travel in them. Um, the last session I had was awesome. Uh, I love running sort of heist-based adventures i love the idea and by i'm using the word heist loosely in this case it was a rescue of a whole bunch of these the sisters of sith have been kidnapped by um vampire types who are trying to turn them into dark ghouls and they're at this castle called castle orzelberg orzel orzelberg something like that i think it's orzelberg and you know, and then the the, the adventure kind of says like, here's all the different rooms and things going on. And I was like, well, this is really cool. There's a situation at this place, which is they have the sisters. One of them has been taken to the altar to be turned into a dark hole. The other ones are in the, the prison and the characters have to figure out how are you going to get in? How are you going to get past the guards? How are you going to find the people you need to find? How are you going to get the hell out? Right. And I, and I love that sort of structure because like, I don't know what they're going to do. And it also means that I can look at the castle and fill it with whatever makes sense for the castle. So like I did not 
even use my, I have my little simple encounter builder, you know, what's the deadly threshold of a potential battle. I never even thought about it. I was like, who would be in the altar room watching them try to turn a, a, a sister of Sif into a dark hole. And I'm like, well, three other dark hole would be there because they want to see what's going on. So it's a dark hole ambassador plus his two guys. A vampire wants to be there because they want to report back to King Lucan and tell him what it's like. The high priestess would have to be there because she's the one actually conducting the ritual. Uh, and a, a, one of the, um, uh, what are they called? The, the ghost knights. One of the ghost knights would be there. And then there'd be a bunch of cultists and there'd probably be a couple of strap hangers. But I'm like, all the important people would want to be there to see this happen. And all of the important people have challenge ratings of like eight and the characters are six level. So I'm like, you know, they're fight, they're fighting their way in They're really fun, like fireballing entire rooms full of guards. Cause the other side is like, okay, it makes sense that all the hard guys are going to be in that one room, but the other place is riddled with guards and it's not like, Oh, well the characters are six level. So those guards really ought to be veterans. It's like, no, they're guards. They have 12 hit points. They have an AC of 14, you know, they do one attack for four points of damage or five points of damage. Like they're just guards. So I riddled it with guards, which meant they had a really fun time, like, you know, mouth over, hand over the mouth, stabbing in the throat, guard goes down, kind of fun shenanigans, right? They got to fireball a mess hall full of them and killed like 30 guards in one fireball. And it was, you know, so then they're getting cocky and they're like, so they fireball the mess not, hall. How did that not get a, a bunch of attention? It did. Like at oh, that yeah. point, they're like, they were, you know, so they did all their sneaky, sneaky. They got the other ones out. And now they're like, we have to get the final one. And we know that's going to be a show. So let's fireball it and just get, get started. And we'll just, and we'll grab it. We'll, we'll grab her. We'll escape where we'll go. <laughs> and they, so they fireball the mess hall, kill like 12 dudes, uh, damaged a couple of man at arms who were, were veterans. Cause there's a couple of guys that are more powerful than your standard guard. And then they're fighting the veterans. And, and one of the characters who's definitely like the gets himself in all the trouble just goes and kicks in the door to the, to the temple. And it's just full of like every villain. And they're like, Oh, like we just triggered. You know? <laughs> and he's like, gotta go. <laughs> it's like, there's like a high priestess, a vampire, three dark ghoul, a ghost knight. Oh, and the woman that they're going to save has already turned into a dark old blade master. It's already too late for her. So she's like standing there looking our dark ish with a blade. And she's got the, the holy robes are actually an amulet. And she's got this amulet around her neck that has like the remains of the holy robes in it. It's, a, it's like a relic, right? And <laughs> the druid just like, I thorn whip it right off her neck and we run. <laughs> and I'm like, pretty good like that that works right so they're like zip you grab it pull it off her neck they're like we don't need her anymore right i'm like no she's already dark cool so they're like running around and then like oh it's just and so watch and then the world is descending on them while they're trying to escape so they they escaped they you know i think they, they killed a whole bunch of people but they didn't get any of the bosses they ran out and then a bartender that they had met earlier turns out to be running a, a like a like an underground railroad to get people out of the city away from the vampires and like people, you know, he's been helping people escape. And so he found the characters that I have a tunnel that lets you get out of this place. So, because they're hunting all over for you up, up above, like there's three ghost knights plus all of their guys and a vampires flying around in the sky. You're like, you'll never make it if you try to just leave the, leave the town, leave the area. So you're going to have to take these tunnels. And my next session, which is tomorrow night is like, you know, the, the, it's the end of the chapter. They have the relic. They've already got to level seven because they got it as soon as they rested after getting the reliquary, they, they got their level up. And now it's like, OK, we want to get out. And in the book, it's like, well, you travel back to Jost, the city that you were at. And then the next chapter starts in Jost. And that's great. And I could just sort of shortcut it. But I'm like, well, let's, you know, why not have a couple of adventures on the way? 
So my thought is like they can there's some tunnels that can get them pretty far away from the the city, Orzelberg, the, the city that they're where the where they were the where the castle was. That'll get them like out of the ring of the people that are hunting for them. And then they'll have to make it out of sort of vampire controlled Krakow, uh, Krakovia, Krakovia, I think it's called. They'll have to make their way out of there, but they could probably do that. But I was like, oh, there's a couple encounters that I could run along the way. And then I was like, then the alternative is they could find a monument that's down in the caves that could show them another shadow road that could shortcut Krak uh, Krakovia and take them just outside of Jost and that way cut the travel. And then I can sort of have like a fun sort of thing going on in the shadow realm. Uh, that that you know the, the nice thing about the shadow realms whenever they go there all of the plot lines that they're worried about are totally different right it's like it's another world and like it has all new plot lines you know going on they even met ghouls and the ghouls like yeah we don't care about the ghouls in your world our ghouls are different right <laughs> so so i guess the question the, the question that i run into is like what makes for a fun adventure a fun session where you're you know, leaving the site of your big conclusion and just making it back to town. Is it, is it more fun to just kind of skip it and say you're back in town or maybe have one or two encounters along the way and then you're back in town and getting started? Like what's the right amount? Cause I, I feel like I'm sort of hanging on to it too much. And like, I'm not done with the adventure yet, even though like they, you know, we must've spent two months on this chapter. So, you know, what's the, you know, I feel like it's okay. Like offering a couple of choices, like you can take the, normal path and make your way out. And that's a viable option. Or you can take this shadow road, by the way, it's a one way gate and we don't know what's on the other side. So like when you go over to the shadow realm, we'd actually never seen what, you know, the people that are helping them get there, like we've never seen what's on the other side of the shadow realm. We only know it connects to this small shadow road path called old man's grasp. That's sort of connected to this larger pathways, but you have to find your way to that larger pathway to make your way back to Joss quickly. What do you guys think? So I so I I have not run. I own a lot of Cobalt Press stuff, and I own a lot of Midgard stuff. Uh, I looked. Yeah. I, I was uh, looking through um, the that humble bundle that we were talking about earlier with all the Cobalt Press stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, for for inexpensive. Uh, I already own all those. <laughs> so yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> so. Well, and the cool bit is like it's been my opportunity to use all of it. Right. I'm using right. Book of Eventides. Yeah. I'm using the players are using Tome Heroes and Midgard Heroes. Like I said, I got that Zobek book and I'm like I bought right. the unfortunate thing is I owned a lot of that stuff already in different little bits so that I could add Zobek stuff. And I did. Sure. There's an NPC that I love. But, um, and but, they're heading to the Southlands and I have the Southlands book, so nice. I can use a lot from there. Yeah. So, so I, so all that to say is I own a bunch of Cobalt Press stuff. I own a bunch of Midgard stuff. I haven't run it, so I haven't looked at it in as much detail, but when I've done things like the Shadow Roads in other settings, um, I've given that as an opportunity for development for visions for ghosts that that mm -hmm. haunt them with things right and so you get a nice like it it matters and it's impactful and it's meaningful to the story and to the characters but it's a nice sort of denouement after the climax at the uh, of the last yeah. chapter you know uh because because yeah you're right like you had this giant climax and this big thing happened and now what a couple of like random encounters on the way back to town yeah like, that's, right that's kind of it, a it feels a little and and i i had you know one idea i was working with was like a mini seven samurai seven samurai is another one of my favorite like adventure models mm -hmm. of hey there's a town that needs your help being defended by these evildoers who are going to invade it and it's another one like oh how do you get the town ready for the invasion 
invasion or do we go take it to them? You know, do we do we not bother to wait until they're going to invade? We're just going to go attack them directly. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you put enough that it's dangerous, you know, like, oh, we can't stop 90 of them. Right. Like, you know, it's not like there's six and you can always reflavor it. So I was like, well, what if the other travelers who have been following, the, you know, using this shadow road kind of got stuck there because mm-hmm. there's this oppressive force that has been preventing them from making their journey all the way through the shadow road to get back into their world where they can survive. And it's like, you know, refugee camps that are being assaulted by, you know, these, these, these groups that they have to deal with. And then the characters can be like, Oh, well, we're more powerful than you are. We can, you know, we can work with you to help fight this. We can either defend the campsite or we can go and, and, and hunt them down and break the, but I, but I have know, this, I have numbers. this sort of, but that, um, that's like, now that's three sessions, right? Right. 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 I have this to sort get of, back to a town. Uh, uh, for some reason I'm on, I'm, I've got this, this idea. It's, it's almost like a, like a night's tale sort of hook, right? Like, yeah, you run into all those people, but like, let's hear their stories, you know, and, and let's, let's have each one of them, like they're, they're refugees and they're all these things you talked about, right. And they're trapped there and, and all that. But what if something about their story is actually like a reflection of something about each of the characters, hmm. you know, and yeah. then, then they get to make a judgment call on that before they even necessarily realize that they're kind of judging themselves in the process. And now that's a little, yeah. Well, an angle, an angle I have, my wife's character is a bear folk and she has changed her subclass. She's a bear folk, bear, bear, barbarian. And she changed her subclass to be the subclass of like the, the shadow that it's like a shadow barbarian who are the people that protect the roads in the shadow, in the shadow realm. So her background is already like protecting the people to open up the paths. So for her, it's like, oh, we absolutely have to save these people and open up these paths and fight these evildoers. Right. So, so that would I, be a strong hook for her. Yeah. What I was thinking was like, so I know you said that like when they go to the shadow realm and it's completely different and like, there's really no, like it's literally a different world. Right. Right. But there are those roads connecting. Right. So like yeah. whatever the party did in the shadow realm like maybe because there are those shadow roads that are connecting maybe there is some little essence of the disruption that the party did that yeah. leaks out into their main setting right and possibly like you don't have to belabor the point too much but maybe one of the things that they figure out as they're traveling back to get back to town or whatever like they start seeing like the consequences right. of that stuff leaking out and and the things they did in the shadow realm actually do affect just a little bit mm-hmm. but in but in ways that are meaningful the the actual yeah world, right? well Not i think another realm. yeah another interesting angle of that though is like they could be having an effect on what's going on in the shadow realm and only see it right. when they're in the shadow realm right exactly so like yes. they've they've done a yeah. thing and it had this effect and then they go away and they're doing all mm-hmm. their stuff in the world and they drop back in it's like hey you're the right. people that met with the queen we heard all about that right, right. like she gave right. you a, a lock of her hair didn't she oh yeah. my god can we and see so, it well, right. well it turned so into then, a magic ring yeah exactly but then and then so now you've got like now they know even though it's like considered a different kind of setting a whole different place and well yeah they don't care about our because they got these other things right. but now they could see there's like some kind of confluence right where some things do affect everything and you know I mean, if your wife's character is one of those people that protects those roads, I mean, that's yeah. really nice to big, lean big on hook. to, right? Yeah, another another interesting thing is the last time they were in the Shadow Realm, they recovered an artifact that had a single-use spell of maze, like superior maze or something like that. It was a cobalt-pressed deep magic 
crazy ass spell that was tied to an item. And it was like a ninth level spell that traps someone in a maze. And one of the Fey Lords, uh, I forget which one she is. She's like a red, red, she's like the Fey Lord over witches, crazy red hair. And she's like, that's mine and I need it. Like I, I sent a team to go find it and they, you killed them, but I want it from you. And they gave it to her. Well, was like, well, who did she use it on? Right. Like she, they, they, they ended up having, they kind of felt railroaded because they kind of like, what are we going to fight her? Like, so they gave it to her. But what did she do with it? And then it'd be like, oh, wait, that one woman that we met, she did that for the Queen of Night and Magic. And now the Queen of Night and Magic is stuck in a maze somewhere because of you guys, because of this thing you gave them. So, yeah, I love that idea. I love the idea of like showing them in the in the shadow realm. What are the effects of the things that they had done last time they're there? And then I ideally like to bring in other character hooks than just my wife's character, because that one's so strong already. Um, it, I'll have to think, I'll have to kind of walk through the other characters and be like, I mean, one of them has a ring that has the lock of hair of this witch queen. So that could certainly, you know, have a big effect too. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying Empire of the Ghouls. Um, I'm I mean, really enjoying, Empire, I don't know if you remember back what election night when we had our big election episode, where yeah. we voted on the, the best episode or best products or whatever. Empire yeah. of the Ghouls was like the only non Watsy. uh, product that made it onto like the top list of best adventures and it huh. got in, it got in as a write-in like i don't yeah know, right so you didn't list. even have yeah, you didn't know, even so. have it that's funny yeah there's a lot that are really good like dungeons of drakenheim uh is getting a lot of a lot of people are playing that one that was mm. if i if if i get to the point where that's sort of the theme insanity because it's this really like dark you know dark shattered city with lots of tentacle horror you know, if, if when, when I get to the point where that's what I want to run, which, you know, I think I like my last time running a Schwab campaign, a Robert Schwab campaign was not far back enough for me to jump right. on that. But <laughs> I need I need like a three year window or something like that. I've been using um, the heck out of his book yeah. of fiends, though, from Green Arnine in my Descent to Avernus. Oh, Dude, cool. Yeah. How many, how many more? How many times can you run into Spine Devils in it before it loses interest? Right. But but I got yeah, a whole book right. of fiends written by Rob Schwab where I can throw in all kinds of new devils. Yeah, sure, sure. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really having a good time with it. Yeah, that's all good advice. Thank you. Right on. All right. Well, uh, I think that's the end of our episode. So all three of us have talked about our games. We're going to call it good. Uh, I don't know if you want to. We already talked about all, all the stuff. So that's the end of the episode. Uh, all right. Yeah, find find this and other great Tom Show shows over at thetomshow.com. Uh, hang out with Sam and I on the Tom Show's Discord. Mike is too good for us, so we don't see him over there. I got too many discords. <laughs> I have my own. I yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, and that's that's it. So say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. guys.